Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the very first episode of For Future Reference. I'm Tori Taylor. And I'm Ambar Calvillo Rivera. And this podcast is all about creating a space to have real candid conversations about the role that people play in our lives, especially the ones who lift us up in both professional and personal ways. This podcast is also for people who want to create that network for themselves and can use a little advice on getting there. It's advice and food for thought that you can use now or just keep around for future reference. And a little bit about us. So my name is Tori. I live in Washington, D.C. I currently work in politics and advocacy, and I just turned 30. And I honestly, I can't decide if I'm more excited about the upcoming conversations on this podcast or if I'm more excited that I'm actually just using this podcast as an excuse to hang out with the incredible Ambar. (laughs) (laughs) I am Ambar Carrillo Rivera. I currently live back home in El Paso, Texas, where I was born and raised. Shout out to all the border kids. And I also recently turned 30. Woo woo! Welcome to the club. (laughs) And naturally, it is a time of reflection for me. And I wonder if it's the same for you and and folks listening that have gone through similar um, birthdays. Um, But it's been a really good time to actually dig deep and reflect on on where I've been and where I want to go. First place that my mind goes to when I think about my journey here is all of the incredible women that have been a part of my life and all of the incredible mentors like you, Tori Taylor, um, and countless others that have supported me, given, given me advice, invested in me, and supported me. That is now like something that I want to spend more time in and dissecting and and encouraging others to build their own mentoring. I I think a lot about, you know, the last decade of my life and especially like as I was starting my career and, you know, I think one one theme that I had around my 30th birthday was gratefulness. I Mm -hmm. was so I had so much gratitude you know, having mentorship and a support structure that I was able to eventually build throughout my life. And whenever I was growing up and I knew that I wanted to get involved in politics, I wanted to be involved in advocacy or some type of public service. And I grew up in a really small town, a lower income family, and I was such an insecure kid. But I was so hungry to get involved and, you know, to figure out like where my place was in the world. And Whenever I would talk to people about what I wanted to do, the first thing that folks would tell me was like, you have to find a mentor. Um, And as soon as they told me that, I was like, great, I'm going to go Google that. I'm going to figure out exactly how to do it. Because, you know, there wasn't a good like step by step how to find a mentor, how to build that relationship, how to get what you need out of that person. So actually, you know, as I was getting this advice, you know, early 20 something year old Tori decided that the right way to go about securing this this ever important mentor that was going to help shape the rest of my life was to identify really cool badass women leaders around me who maybe I had like met briefly at an event but probably a lot of them I hadn't and I just decided to 
cold email them and say, hi, my name is Tori. You know, I am mm. new here. <laughs> Will you be my mentor? And I remember literally like sitting at my computer, picking out these women, firing off these emails. It's like, okay, great. I'm set. I sent all these emails. They're going to respond back. They're going to give me all of their advice. I'm going to be so successful and, and I'm done. <laughs> that was one problem. Uh, none of them responded. <laughs> Ah, this makes my heart hurt. It really, really does. And it's not because uh, how you approached it was wild. I mean, it was a little bit wild what you did. But, but, but You're being it, generous. But it was familiar. I yeah. think that's what it is. And that's what, what just like makes my heart hurt is that, you know, 20-something-year-old Tori was hungry for guidance and advice and you didn't have that built-in network. And so that is a very familiar feeling and not having the know-how of how to reach out to people and ask, you know, where, you know, ask someone to help is really, really difficult. And so I, I totally, I totally get it. And I wish I could have been, been there for you. And I, I yeah. think now also we are, we're in a different era, you know, we, when we are talking about what modern day mentorship can look like and how do you approach it and, you know, what are those ways is now for, for better or for worse, you know, the, the social media environment and digital age of connecting with people has almost made it a little bit easier for people yeah. to reach out. You know, you were doing straight up email, cold emailing, Ooh. but now it's not super uncommon to get a DM from someone on Instagram or on Twitter where they have shared interests. Yeah. Yeah. I, I literally just, just thought of the phrase like slipping into your DMs. Yeah, I know. I, I was going to say that, but I don't think it's appropriate. I learned. I learned that it's not what I think it means. So, um, and so we're creating community in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, like that's the purpose of it. What you message someone when you have like a shared interest or you mm -hmm. want to talk to them about their experience or potentially working where they work. So, you know, aside from just emailing people that you admire, there's like so many other ways to do that now. And I think that makes it a little bit easier. And it also kind of makes it a little bit maybe complicated. Yeah. It's like too many, too many options, too right. many ways to go about it. I mean, and it's one, it's one reason why I'm so excited that we're doing this. I'm yeah. excited that we're doing this podcast because... I think about, you know, the resources and the advice and the things that I wish I would have heard when I was that age. And even now, you know, I just think about there's so many big topics and things that we tackle with mentors and people who give us advice. And, you know, I really hope that we can create a space in this podcast to dig into a lot of those topics and, you know, maybe provide folks out there with some of those nuggets of mentorship and advice from just incredibly badass women that we interview on this show who have succeeded, who have failed, who have done everything in between. And, you know, I'll always carry that cold email story with me. <laughs> and I really appreciate you being so generous and describing it. Like in retrospect, it feels like I was really creepy as like a 21 year old. <laughs> but I, I know it's we were all there. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. So let's dig into our episode, our very first episode. We have two incredible interviews, and we just can't wait to, to get right in. So the first is Wendy Wallace, who is a powerhouse, class act, beautiful person. She is the deputy executive director of the Democratic Governors Association. Before that, worked at Planned Parenthood Action Fund for a few years, running 
really incredible programs there. And she basically recently saved me. We were in a, in a conference at the same time. I didn't know what I was doing. I was not ashamed to go up to her and tell her that. And she was so incredibly kind and just stepped up and, and just showed me the ropes, basically. And so we, I can't wait for you to hear this interview. My name is Wendy Wallace, and I am currently the Deputy Executive Director for the Democratic Governors Association. I help a little bit on the donor side and on the digital front, too. So it's a little bit of everything, but yeah. That's awesome. Wanted to start the conversation today. Can't wait. We haven't talked about it, and so I wanted to see what you were thinking about. So I was VP at this organization, and I was uh, attending a conference where I didn't have a lot of context about, but they told me that, you know, it's important that we're there, and I see you at a table, and you're, like, being Wendy Wallace, just, like, (laughs) schmoozing, and and at some point, you know, I just kind of, like, casually lean over and just ask you, like, are you doing anything for lunch? Can I, like, take you outside and like talk for a little bit and you're like sure and literally what I open with is Wendy I have no idea what I'm doing here I need a mentor like I have no idea what's going on I don't know how to like people obviously know how to do this conference and I have no idea and you said okay I got it and yeah has someone saved you like that before like what was going through your mind you just you just went for it Hell yes. Like, people definitely, multiple people have saved me in multiple instances. So it's like a little bit hard to even pinpoint one, but a lot of people find themselves feeling like outsiders, like looking Mm -hmm. for a way in. And I am always uh, willing to help in those instances, particularly when it's a person of color, particularly when it's someone who I already know well. I think I'm. I try to be really good about, you know, lifting people as I climb and like bringing more people along with me. And I think it is so hard um, as Mm -hmm. women of color and as people of color more broadly to break into donor spaces and like develop Mm -hmm. relationships with donors. And so I, it is something that I really focus on. It's amazing. Well, tell me the, the ones that stick out. You said you've been, supported and saved I'm gonna use the word saved you saved me um saved so many times I mean what's one that sticks out or you feel like if you hadn't gotten saved in that moment things might have been a little different for you I worked as an assistant for a lot of years and I loved my bosses and I still have good relationships with them but there were definitely times when like other co-workers had to like pull Mm. me out of the fire or like you know I there are just some things that like you can't know when you are sort of new on the scene and they're like, Oh, you didn't know like this person basically funds our entire program. Or um, a really good example actually is like, we got a call from the white house. So I answered the phone just like regular. And this guy says his name that did not ring any bells. It was not like anybody that you like see on TV or anything like that. And so I was like, she's in a meeting. Can I have her call you back? Like, and he was like, no, I think she's gonna know what it's about. And I was just like, okay, great. Like, what's your number? And I like wrote his number down. And you know, hours later, when my boss got out of meetings, I was like, 
oh, um, by the way, like, you have a couple of messages, like, this person called, and she was like, when did he call? Like, you know, so it's like, you need someone to just say, like, hey, also, this person mm-hmm. is important. So it sounds like because people were so open to, like, help you in all of these roles, and, like, you kind of collected that, I mean, did it become... Was it like, I mean, and and I'm so glad that you had that experience because it's almost like from the beginning you knew like people were willing to share information with you and that you didn't have to be out sort of alone learning all of the ropes. Um, But so did it become easier for you because of that to ask for help? Like, do you feel now like you are comfortable doing that and that you have a good support network for that? I think... Everyone struggles with this, like even at the highest levels, I think still sort of operate on a case by case basis. Like I'm not going to ask everybody for help. For sure. There are some people I feel really comfortable going to for help. Like I have a couple of different groups of people and like text threads and, and Slack channels that I will go to when I'm like, that I know I can depend on. And those are like, friends that I've had for a long time, a lot of them are in similar lines of work or like overlapping lines of work. There's like a saying that like behind every successful woman, there's a group text like hyping her up. I think that in my case is 100,000% true. Even if people are not in the room, it's helpful to have someone that you can like send a quick text to and say like, do you know such and such? Like, can I use your name if I like get introduced to them or like, I'm going to go try to meet them or like something. I mean, I tell people (laughs) it's funny. I have a, my old team was always cracking up about this. Like people would drop my name and be like, Oh yeah. Do you work with Wendy? Like I know her, like she's a good friend of mine, like whatever. And they would come in and tell me about it. And I'd be like, Oh, I mean, I know that person. I wouldn't say that we're like, good friends but you know it worked it got the conversation going so like if that's what you need uh if you were going to have coffee with your mentor this week what would you want to ask them i would ask them if i am missing anything in the present that i should be doing or could be doing differently or better to add to what um our scope of work is now and then thinking about like, what should be the next thing that I'm looking to achieve? I think the higher people climb in the professional realm, the harder it can be to see the next thing. You know, I think we kind of were raised on old school models where you just like, get a good company job, you get promoted and you know, everyone thinks they can become the CEO if they just like keep getting promoted, which is like not true. But um, now we're not living in that model anymore. And so I have no idea what comes next. Like, if you had asked me two years ago, actually, if you'd asked me one year ago, would I be doing this? I would have been like, no, that sounds crazy. Um, So how do you then figure out like, yeah, how do you visualize what is the next thing? And so that is what I would ask a mentor, like, help me sort of think about what can come next. Hey y'all, it's Tori. 
I travel a lot for work and I'm usually running to catch a flight, sitting for a few hours on a plane, and then running straight to meetings after I land. So having pants that look nice and are comfortable during hours of travel is a dream come true. The dress pant yoga pants at Beta Brand are exactly that. They feature super comfy styles designed to look professional. Not only do they feel good and look great, but they're also super functional. Like they have a style with eight, yes eight, pockets, so I don't have to worry about where I put my travel snack, my phone, or my wallet. I generally just leave my pocketbook in my suitcase and still have everything I need on me thanks to this amazing design. That's why I started wearing Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants in black. Now, for future reference listeners can get theirs for 20% off. Visit betabrand.com slash FFR, all lowercase, to get 20% off yours. And our second guest today, Emmy Ruiz, is equally amazing. She is a nationally recognized political and civic engagement strategist who has done a number of really cool things throughout her life, from working for Hillary Clinton to currently uh, working as a senior advisor for Senator Kamala Harris, who is running for president. She has been on multiple national boards and part of a lot of different really cool organizations. Uh, But one of my favorite titles that she currently holds is mom to her new baby, Henry. I'm excited to dig in. Let's start by, you've had such an incredible career. Both Tori and I are huge fans of yours. And it's been a really amazing trajectory. It's been, you know, more than a decade. You've been able to uh, continue being involved in progressive politics and electoral uh, issue advocacy organizing. Um, how did you even get to to this space? Let's let's start with that for, for some of our listeners that are curious on how you even first got involved. Yeah, I mean, I will tell you, I've been very, very lucky that a lot of people have brought me up with them. Um, And so I first started organizing about 12 years ago now. So I was actually the first field organizer hired for Hillary Clinton in 2007 for Nevada. Organizing in Nevada time and time again has really changed my life uh, in many ways. And Part of that is our shared background and the communities that we come from and those that we seek to uplift and organize and ensure that their voices are heard. I would say the number one uh, reason probably that I got involved in politics to begin with is thanks to my brother. You know, he uh, went off to college. He was in law school. He was a lawyer and he knew people that had participated in campaigns. I've always I had always been a political aficionado, but I had no idea how to get involved like many people don't. Um, and I was scared to be honest. I was scared to leave the Valley. I was scared to leave San Antonio, but he really pushed me and, uh, helped me at least begin to recognize our responsibility. You know, was it quickly that you found support, you know, by other women or other first timers or people that had been around for a long time? How did it actually look like once you started and everything's kind of, you know, new, moving really fast, you don't really have time to slow down and like sort of take your time? You know, it's a really funny story. I So I was hired to be a field organizer. And so when I got hired to be a field rep for Hillary or whatever I thought it was, you know, I went to Dillard's, I bought a bunch of suits, I packed them and went to Vegas. I thought, oh, here we go. I'm ready to staff Hillary Clinton. And as you know, that the role of field organizer is very, very, very different. And it is being out in the community. It is making sure that 
in some ways we're blending in and in others that we're standing out. Uh, but it's a lot of difficult, hard work. Uh, and in Nevada in particular, uh, there are a few big challenges, not, not the least of which is also the heat where it's 115 degrees. These are communities that have been organized, but you just have to start every single cycle all over again. At least at that time we did in 2007. It was a lot of the community members who really lifted me up, who said, you can do this. Our volunteers were the ones who were like, we're in this together. It's going to be okay supporting me. You know, there's a saying in campaigns, as you know, is, you know, people might pick up the phone for the candidate or they might come to the first event for the candidate, but they're going to keep coming because of you. And so I gave myself a short timeline and I said, hey, stick it out to the caucus. If you can stick it out to the caucus, uh, then you can go home. <laughs> Years later and you never went home. Um, so that's an interesting point of like the folks that to bring in that perspective of like the people that kept uplifting you weren't just folks on your team. You know, you mentioned the community, the people you were meeting, they were really getting your spirits up and supporting you. And so, I mean, you are uh, at such senior roles now and you have been for for a while. Um, what has that support looked like for you once you go up in your career and you're not always knocking on doors and you're not always sort of on the 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 opportunity to interact with the community and people every single day. So where where then did that support sort of shift for you? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this. I mean, it definitely started with community members for me, people like Adriana Martinez, who had been the Clark County Democratic Party chair. Now her sister Susie's an assemblywoman in Nevada. You know, it was like that first community circle that really lifted me up and really like hung on to me. And then, of course, I mean, in our field, you know, nobody gets by alone. Hillary used to say this a lot in the campaign is like, we get through nothing alone, the high notes and the low notes. I feel pride and gratitude for this wonderful campaign that we built together. This vast, diverse, creative, unruly, energized campaign. You represent- And so there are a lot of people uh, throughout my career that really lifted me up or took an investment in me or noticed something in me. And so I'll say, you know, I have a lot of privilege. I feel like a lot of people have taken investment in me. I feel like a lot of people have held me to account, too, at times where, you know, there was a better path to take. And that's something that I really try to do as a leader in this field is make sure that I'm not rising alone. We are bringing more women into the process, that we are bringing more uh, kids like you and me from the border into the process. It was because I think that we have to make sure that we're giving ourselves those opportunities and that we're pushing through those barriers. One of the things that I like really, really wanted to dig into the point of personal privilege to be able to have this time to talk to you is you, I mean, anyone that sort of even, you know, maybe they don't even know you and they don't know the people that have worked with you. Um, but just like, for example, interacting with your Twitter feed, right? You continue to lift up some of the you know, you call them your campaign kids. So this is people that worked with you at, you know, some of the different states that you just even described. Um, they're now actually at, uh, you know, quote unquote, competing um, organizations. So they're working for other candidates and you continue to lift them up. And, and you really continue to do this throughout your career and you lift up um, people that have worked with you. Um, how did you learn to do that? Did you see other examples of people doing that? Was it because, you know, you felt so fortunate and so you replicated that and continued to do it? But how did you learn to do that? You know, my campaign kids, they mean the world to me. People who share a shining example and others who maybe 
we're able to say, I don't want to do it that way. You know, I want to do things differently. And so I think it was those, but I think what it comes down to is two things for me is my successes have been due to their work is that my campaign kids have done incredible work uh, in every team that we've been a part of. And I've just felt very fortunate to be a part of it. I want to support them. I always want to lift them up. Their success is our success. In that, have your, now that you're a mom and a mom working on a presidential campaign race and all of these things, um, have your mentors changed? Have you sort of looked out for folks that are parents that are doing the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I think um, a lot of the people that I view as inspirations are moms or are people who are juggling multiple priorities of the heart, if you will. And I think of the examples that they've set. I think of how hard it was for them and how much easier it is for us, even though it's still really hard. And I do think that there is this like band of moms. It's just like supporting each other, being there for each other. And my wife is just so wonderful and she supports me and she encourages me. And I think, you know, I also, uh, my wife is my number one support system, I think, because it's, you know, it's great to have, you know, marry your best friend, because you have someone that intimately knows, you know, how tired you are when you get home, but how in it you are. So that's great. And, you know, as we kind of progress, one of, one of the reasons we wanted to do this show is that sometimes, I think, especially when you get to a certain point, it seems like it's harder to vocalize when you need help or when you want to ask for advice. And so how do you do that now? I mean, you know, people, so many people go to you. How, how do you ask for advice and help? You know, I'll tell you, this is one of the biggest challenges that I have. I mean, I think it's, um, I think leadership is lonely. At the same time as we all have this self-responsibility to find the floaties that we need to to keep swimming. To me, I feel like I have found them in really unconventional places and with people, right? So, for example, my son's NICU nurse has become a great dear friend. And she helps me sometimes with some perspective, right? Or I have an exec coach who also married my wife and me. And so I would say it's really hard. You know, it's really, really hard to ask for advice or to say maybe, hey, I feel like a little overwhelmed right now. Uh, if you were going to have coffee with your mentor this week, so in like a couple days, um, what would you want to ask them? You know, I think I would, I would ask them, I think, how to set realistic expectations about leadership uh, in both work and life, right? Because we often talk about leadership as, Man, Emmy is so good at managing action items. A deadline cannot get past her. You know, we talk about leadership, I think, in a, as an executive function. We don't often talk about leadership as matters of, like, the heart, empathy of the whole person, of our families, our work-life balance. In fact, work-life balance is often talked about as, like, a recreational sport. Right. And so I think it's some of those things of like, how do you actualize leadership in every function? Mm. Well, if you have that conversation, let me join. <laughs> I'll take notes. <laughs> so, Tori, we're at the end of episode one. What are you taking away with you from our amazing interviews? 
Oh, that's such a great question. I, I am so happy that we kicked off the season and this podcast with your interviews with two such incredible women. Uh, there were a few things that really spoke to me. One, you know, Wendy Wallace talking about having a text thread of supportive women spoke to me so much because I think I have six going on <laughs> right now. And I, I love, I, it sounds so simple, but I love that idea because it's, it's such a quick shot of support and, um, you know, community and friendship in like a text message. I can just like shoot off a text to them, tell them I'm having a bad day. And they will just send me a mountain of like cute cat gifts and like other funny things to just like light me up. And so I, I think it's, you know, we talk about mentorship in so many different shapes and forms. And I think that it can even be in something as small as like a group text. Mm. Uh, so I love that Wendy mentioned that. And one thing that Emmy mentioned, I love the line, you know, we need to actualize leadership in yeah. all functions of our life. And that really spoke to me because I think we talk about a lot of really big concepts when it comes to leadership and management and mentorship and support. And there are so many different ways to operationalize those concepts at work, at home, you know, in all aspects of our lives. And I really just love the words like actualizing and operationalizing mm. because you know, we shouldn't just talk about these concepts. We should figure out, okay, how am I going to take this idea and incorporate it into every part of my life and make it real? Right, right, yeah. right. What about you? I'm taking away with me that no matter what part of your trajectory you're on, you should give yourself permission to ask for help and advice. So look up, look around you, start the text chain of badass women, like you said, and ask for advice. I love it. I love it. Thank you for those conversations. So we got a sneak peek at what mentorships, relationships, and some support structures look like for some pretty incredible women today. And I can't wait to dig in some more. We've got amazing conversations coming up the rest of the season. And we want to hear from you all and include you in the conversations that we're having this season. How do you survive and thrive in this world? How do you lift each other up as you climb yourself? Email us at pod at wondermedianetwork.com. We hope that today's episode is helpful now or something that you can use for future reference. Uh, coming up on next week's episode, we're going to dig into how to keep and nurture intentional relationships, and it's going to be really good. Thank you so much for listening, and please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Talk to you next week.